Good morning, church. This morning, I'm usually not accustomed to do this, but we're going to do this. Uh, I'm going to start you out with a quiz. And I'm just going to throw out three uh, scripture verses. And I'm not going to tell you the, the reference because I would be tipping my hand. But I want you to tell me what's the common denominator in these three verses. The first verse is, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Here's the second one. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Okay, now I'm going to ask for a brave volunteer here. What? I'm asking. I'll throw out one more for extra credit. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. That's right. That's correct. And so this morning, we're going to delve in a little bit deeper, if you will, into Psalm 119. Now, don't panic. I'm not going to read all 176 verses. And you didn't bring a brown bag lunch. So, But the, the, the truth of the matter is, you could do an entire series. You could do months of messages on this and still not plumb the depths and the riches and the goodness of God and His Word. When I did this message, the Lord asked me a question, and when He asked the question, I knew where He was going with it. And there was no point of arguing. And He said, What about Psalm 119? And so I know where we were are at in our progression of things and I know that uh, Palm Sunday is coming up in Easter but I thought if this is the perfect place he already knew that this is the time to speak to that because Psalm 119 it's fitting it's the longest psalm in the, it's the longest chapter in the Bible and when you stop and think about it rightfully so because what does it talk about? it talks about the word of God and it talks about the Lord and his relationship with the psalmist My text for today is Psalm 119. And I'm just going to read this one, but we're going to expound on this. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. You are good to us. You are good all the time. I pray, Lord, that every time when we say those words, they not just be a meaningless expression, but that they would be from a heart that has been transformed, that is being continually changed, a heart that is continually fixed and looking to you. Today, as we encounter you, Lord, as we look upon your words, 
Speak to our hearts. Let the ancient words impart and open our eyes to behold wondrous things, wondrous things from you to us. Thank you for you are faithful who's promised. In Jesus' name, amen. As I, uh, as I was preparing for this, I found myself asking this question. Is it possible to have a magnificent obsession? Now let me, let me qualify that. I'm not talking about in a bad kind of a sense that debilitates you, that is destructive, that renders you ineffective. I'm talking, and I'm not talking about being legalistic, and I'm not talking about pulling yourself out by your own bootstraps or, or beating yourself into shape. But is it possible to have a magnificent obsession to where you are thinking about something day and night in your waking moments? I would, I would suggest to you the answer is yes. This psalmist here makes a strong case for that. But let me just put this little tidbit in there. In the psalmist writing this, who is fueling him? What is fueling his heart? Who is pouring into him? It's the Lord and it's his word. And his response to that in terms of opening up his heart. When, when you look through this and you read, except for a handful of verses, he has something to say about the Lord's relationship to him and what the word of God means to him and the impact that it's had in his life. And you know what, I, I was tempted, I could have just got up here and read all of Psalm 119 and raced through it, that wouldn't have done it justice. I could have, and I could have put down more verses even than what I put here. But then there would have been nothing left to say, but then, hey, that would have been good too. So to that point, to make, to make this case, I want to direct your attention to verses 13 through 18 in Psalm 119. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may, keep, that I may live and keep your word. 
Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Now, in order for this to become a reality in the psalmist's life, there is something else that has to happen. He has to open up his heart to what the Lord wants to do and what he wants to say and what he wants to impart. But before I get ahead of myself here, I want to just make a, a statement about the opening verses in, psalm, in, in verses 1 and 2 of this, this psalm. And in those first two verses, he uses the word blessed. And I believe that sets the tone for the rest of the psalm. Now, the rest of the psalm doesn't necessarily use the word blessed in every verse. Nevertheless, the impact of what the Word of God and what the Lord has in this person's life clearly says that this man is blessed. So in verses 1 and 2, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, whose wa who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. I would suggest to you, blessed are those whose way is blameless. We don't qualify for that on our own. What makes that possible? God made the way where there was no way and it speaks to the cross of Christ. So tucked, tucked in there, hidden away if you will, like a, a treasure is the cross of Christ makes it possible for you to be blameless. And the one who makes all things new is the one who is able to make it a reality in your life and mine to walk in newness of life and to see what does that look like on any given day. Verses 20 and 24 of, chapter, of Psalm 119. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You know, I could read any one of these verses and they would deserve a pause after each one to let it soak in. I'm just going to tell you ahead of time before I get to it in the notes. I was convicted as I read this psalm. But that isn't the, rest, that isn't the end of the story. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. I like that. I like that. And in the psalmist's writing of Psalm 119, he uses very graphic words in expressing his heart or what he's going through. The psalmist is at no loss for words. His heart is overflowing. And here's a, here's a good word that I like. This is a down-home word. His heart is gushing over. I like gushing. His heart is gushing over. And some... And I'm going to put another verse out here. Psalm 119, verse 133. Keep, my, keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. As, as 
you read through this, and as I read through this, it became apparent to me that there were some, this, this psalmist's heart was transformed. His heart is open. His heart is teachable. His heart is surrendered. And I'll tell you what, what makes that possible. Was it him pulling himself up by his bootstraps? No. It was an encounter with the Lord of his life. Throughout this psalm, the psalmist is expectant about the word working in his situation and working in his life. The word is his anchor. You, there, with the exception of a few verses, there is no verse in this scripture where he does not reference the word of God, what it means to him, and the impact of his life, and in his perspective going forward in whatever season he finds himself in. He is expressing his trust. He makes declarations. He cries out to God, and they're all interconnected. This psalm is not a, a chain of gold links. This psalm is a treasure chest of gold coins. You could take any one of these verses and do a sermon on them. But isn't it, isn't it just like God? There is no depth to his love. There is no breadth to his love. There is no height to his love. What's true of him is true of what comes out of his mouth. And we have the luxury of seeing it in this psalm for us. The psalmist has been around long enough to testify of the impact of God's word speaking into his life. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Psalm, Psalm 119, verses 98 and 99. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. What's he implying there? He's had encounters with adversaries. But who, who prevailed? Who came out? Who was victorious? Who was able to live and give glory to God about what happened? It's the psalmist. And he gives the glory to God. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. Plural. Not one enemy, many enemies. And where the rubber hits the road. Not in a bubble, but where the rubber hits the road. He testifies. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. What's implied? He had opportunity with those who taught him for them to express 
You're wise beyond your years. They laid a foundation and it was built upon. Psalm 119 is not a tedious repetition of emotionless, empty words. Now, if I, I could have, maybe I should have to see if there was punctuation in, in the Hebrew, but I tell you what, in the reading of this psalm, there were quite a few exclamation points, and I believe rightfully so. And if there weren't the exclamation, uh, the punctuation marks, by the deliberate choice of words that he uses, he still makes the point. And that's a good thing. Now, this, so when he talks about delighting, he's talking about enjoying he talks numerous times and makes reference numerous times about delighting in the Word of God, that the Word of God is His, it means enjoyment. I can think of a host of other things that I like to enjoy. He, he makes a statement here, and I read it just a little while ago. In the ways of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. What a statement. You know, if I walk across the street or something and I find a $20 bill on the ground, wow! It's 20 bucks. Oh, did you? Okay. You know, it's my response. Man, I'm going, woohoo, I got 20 bucks. What is that in comparison to the eternal riches? You and I, because of what the Lord did for us, we are rich, we are rich, we are rich beyond measure. Nothing compares to the promise that we have in Him. This is his response to just the first five books of the Old Testament. Be still my heart. I'll tell you, this is where. <laughs> what, what is my response when I have the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God before me. And I tell you, my brothers and sisters, I do not mean this to be condemning or heavy. But yet, I want that statement to grip your heart the way that he gripped mine. I read in Matthew Henry's commentary, and uh, he said, there are those who have read this, and he, he said, it was said by many, that when reading this psalm, you will either be warmed or you will be shamed. Now, my, I would 
change that and I would say you either are warmed by it or you're convicted by it. But I would say this, both. See, God doesn't, God doesn't cut me off at the knees and say, that's it, I'm done with you. That would have defeated the whole purpose of the cross. He knows our frame. He knows that we're by, but dust. He does not deal with us according to what we deserve. Let that soak in for a minute. I'm not one for comparing myself because of the danger or, or beating myself over that, up, over that. But my response seriously paled to the remarks of the psalmist here. The psalmist, no matter what, <clears throat> there is something here, no matter what season you may find yourself in, no matter where you find yourself today, in this psalm, there is something here for every one of you and for me. That's a good thing. So, I just want to throw out a few. This is not exhaustive. In the scriptures that I gave you, I could have put a plethora of verses under each one of them, but then you would have had a book. But that's okay. But I wanted to give you enough to make the point, to make the case. So, are you taunted? Psalm 119, verses 41 and 42. Let your steadfast love Come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And I know that there are people in this body who have been taunted by their enemies. Whether it be the flesh or the world or Satan or demons, it doesn't matter. I have an answer for him who taunts me. And you know what comes out in that? I see the psalmist planting his feet. I see the psalmist standing firm. He knows who has his back. He knows who's by his side. He knows who the one who sticks closer than a brother is there. Are you afflicted? Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. And I'm just going to throw this in there, and that's this. Hear my cry, O Lord, attend unto my prayer. From the depths of my heart I cry out unto you. And when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. How does he do that? His Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance that which he gives us. His plan, His word, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When? When my heart is overwhelmed. 
That's positional advantage. When you have positional advantage in the Lord, you have a great advantage. And that changes perspective. That gives you a second win. That, and it's Him, it's not me, it's Him that upholds us, that takes us forward. That talks about the empowering Word of God and the Holy Spirit, the teacher, who teaches us, who will guide us, and guide us into all truth and bring all things to our remembrance. I like this one. Fearful, Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing, nothing can make them stumble. What a mouthful. That's good stuff, Maynard. That's better than Lambert's. I'll take that over Lambert's any day, hands down. Just some food for thought. I, I talked a little bit, I just said about at, at positional advantage. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is profitable. That word profitable, you know what it means? Advantageous. Advantageous. And then you read the rest of what he says about what the purpose of, look, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteous, righteousness. Put advantageous in there. Every situation for you, for me, advantageous. So in this psalm, I want to encourage you with these words in Proverbs 6, 20 to 22. And there it talks about the Word of God again. Surprise, surprise. But it fits, it fits right in. In Proverbs chapter 6, we find these words. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. That brings me back to that verse earlier that, <clears throat> that I read, excuse me, where, where he says that his... Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Just picture yourself going through the day or whatever you're encountering and you're being, you've got these scriptures coming alongside of you like good friends and just talking to you throughout the day. And even though you may not know what the day may hold or what something unforeseen may arise, you've got these scriptures coming alongside of you like buddies and talking to you throughout the day. This psalm was written for our benefit. And what is true for that psalmist is true for you and for me. This, he is an example. This psalm 
is an example of the, our potential that we can be as this psalmist was. Not something to compare and then distance myself and say, oh, that's that psalmist. It's in the scripture. What, what was the purpose of the scripture? All things were written for our learning. This psalm is for our benefit. And I said it before and I'll say it again. Who and what is fueling his response? You know, Tom, at the close of his message, he talked about the one who relentlessly is pursuing us. And because of that, because of him, because of his word, because of his Holy Spirit, that's, that's what makes this psalm a reality and possible. So, that brings me to this. And I got a chuckle, the Lord giving me a sense of humor, having a sense of humor. Humor. This is what he told me. He says, and we sang about this earlier, give us our daily bread. He said, I want you to eat what I put on your plate. And don't shove it off to the side. Now I know what I did with liver. And I know what I do with onions. And I know what I do with tomatoes. Just ask my wife. If she's not looking, or I'll just sit there and slide them over on her plate. That's just where they end up. It's a, oh, and mushrooms. Did I say mushrooms? I put mushrooms in there too. Okay. I was, that was a true confession. But the, the, the idea is that what the Lord puts, up, puts on your plate, it's good for you. He knows what's good for you. And I have to tell you, eat what's put on your plate. And he used a word. I would have expected, you know, in a message like this, meditate. Meditate. You know what he used? He was deliberate in his word. He used the word marinate. Marinate. Now, I am not a cook. I am not a chef. And there are some great cooks out here. I'm not one of them, by the way. But what, what happens, Tom, I'm going to ask you. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I ask you, what happens when you marinate something? Did you hear that? The flavor. The flavor gets into the thing that's sitting in that. We had ribs last night. No, but I'm making a word picture. <laughs> marinate. Marinate. He, he didn't stutter when he said marinate. I want you to stew in that for a while. I want you to relish that. And then you know what I, what I do in preparation for a message or when I go through the day and the Lord starts speaking to me? I was not another confession. 
I have not been one for writing down. I know that there are some people in here, and I think it is a good thing. I want to encourage you, when the Lord speaks to you, write it down. Think about it. I use the word marinate. But when you write it down, let him talk back to you. I just read that proverb about how it goes through the day. I write it down so I don't forget. And you know what? The times when I didn't write it down and something else comes along, oh, geez, I forgot. God, please bring it back to my remembrance. I'll write it down. And he does. That's good. Write it down. I honestly would be the last one to say to you, keep a spiritual journal. But I am telling you today, there is great merit. Not only for you, but I tell you what, for those who see you in your day-to-day, I guarantee you there is always somebody who's watching your conduct, whether it be at work or whether it be at home. And when you conduct yourself in the light of what I just said and what this scripture says about the psalmist, they will take note of that. And it will speak volumes, volumes to them. And it's not necessarily what you say, but it's what you do. When they see that, and you're consistent. So, you know what I did? I I had never really, well, I'm not going to say that. I sat down. And I read through this purposefully several, many, I won't say many, I read through this entire psalm several times. And as I read through this psalm, 119, there were different things that just leapt off the page at me. I wrote them down, and you know what? I came up with three pages. Three. That was for my benefit. So here's your homework assignment for this week. I would like for you to read Psalm 119. And I say to you as surely as I stand here, the God who is faithful, the God who is good all the time, that no matter what season of life you find yourself in or where you are or what you're going through, there is something there for you and he will highlight it and I want you to marinate So my last question to you, and I have to ask this, and I did ask this to myself. How did this message change me? You know, if this message doesn't change me, then my time up here was wasted. That is the question. When I come Sunday after Sunday, I have to ask myself, when I walk out these doors, how did this message change me? And I will tell you this, and this is my promise Tom no more added PS's this is my last statement here 2 Corinthians 9 15 says thanks be to God for his indescribable too wonderful for words inexpressible gift now that's talking about the Lord but I would say this that everything that comes from his hand to you and to me is an inexpressible, too wonderful for words gift.
And I pray that just as I was convicted and just as sure as God didn't leave me there and he gave me that practical little simple how-to of marinating, it's, I'm stewing. I'm marinating. And he's the best chef of all. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, ancient words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with your own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Lord, I just ask that just, I'm reminded of that one song that says, uh, Word of God, speak. Let it fall down my, like rain, washing my eyes to see you. I ask this day, Father, that as we open your words of Psalm 119, open our eyes, be our vision. Let us marinate. We purpose to marinate. Do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask, think, or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.